Tommy DeVito just made Dino Babers look really not good. We'll talk about that on Locked On Syracuse. It's right now. Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you on this wonderful Monday morning. We're talking Syracuse football today, and thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts. Tommy DeVito and the Fighting Illini. That's right. No longer a member of the Syracuse Orange as of mid-last year. He's now on the Fighting Illini. We're number three, which means his TD13 chain is no longer usable. He can't use it anymore. I've seen him wear that chain many times around campus, and I always thought, what if he had to change to three one day, Tommy? And look, that day has come. Uh, so maybe he has a new TD3 chain, but who knows? We'll have to ask him about that if we ever get to. Anyway, him and the Illini took on the Wyoming Cowboys uh, last Saturday, week zero game, and he he looked pretty darn good. Uh Two touchdowns. You probably saw the first one on Twitter because it was on Syracuse Twitter because everyone was like, oh, my gosh, Tommy DeVito threw a touchdown. Uh, he went 27 for 37 in the game, 194 yards, two touchdowns. And after the game, he said, not taking any shots here. This is a paraphrase of what he said. But I didn't. I think this is the first game I didn't get sacked. Am I fair to say that? He is fair to say that. This is the first game he started that he did not get sacked. I looked. Uh, the only other ones where he played and didn't get sacked were like the Albany game where Schrader started last year and then the UNC game where he bailed out Dungey his freshman year. Other than that, I think that was it. And then maybe the Wake Forest game where Clayton Welch played the majority. Uh, so he's right about that. Now, there are definitely two camps on this, right? There are the side of people who see this and say, Dino Babers should be really not happy and a little bit worried right now because the guy that was his guy, a four-star product, came to Syracuse. He waited on him. It was He gave us a couple of flashes of him in that 2018 year. Like I said, bailed out Dungy on a couple occasions, one time against UNC, other time against NC State, and Dungy left, out, left the program. Everyone thought he was the GOAT. Uh, because he brought them that 10-win season. Not really the GOAT, but I'm, you know, I'm just exaggerating. Uh, and uh, the bowl game. And then everyone was pumped because they had this new kid, DeVito, coming, and the only thing they'd seen was him being great. So yeah. everyone was amped. DeVito shows up. He's not good. Uh, and now he goes to the Illini, and he looked good in his first game. The other camp is that, all right, you played Wyoming, man. Like, their defense is made up of, like, a practice squad. Like, it doesn't matter. You you played nobody. Like, sure, like, I'm glad you beat Wyoming. Great. Let's see what you do against real Big Ten teams. Owen, oh, which side are you on? I, I'm an in-betweener. Uh, I, I think that there is definitely merit to both sides of this conversation in that 
yes, you, you, you played Wyoming and it's, it's Wyoming and who cares what your stat line against Wyoming looks like. Right. I think back to, you know, early in, in my, you know, career covering Syracuse when I was at school uh, and I did an overreaction to a shutout win that Syracuse has to open up the season and how good that, you know, Syracuse was going to be because they just shut out a team and they came out and they look incredible and they weren't incredible. Uh, so that it doesn't mean everything by any means, but I'm also on the camp of look at what Tommy DeVito does in a role where he seems more comfortable. Uh, and it seems like he, he has play reflected that, uh, I have the stat breakdown right here from, uh, Illini football focus on Twitter. Um, so when the O-line kept Dom, Tommy DeVito clean, he was 25 of 31, for 179 yards and an 80.6 passer grade. The other six dropbacks he had where he was under pressure, he was two for six for 70 or 17 yards and a passing grade under 60. So it just goes to show back to, you know, his struggles at Syracuse when consistently under pressure. Uh, and, and he's he's back, and it seemed like that pocket was clean for him. And as a result, you know, he makes the joke after the game, he didn't get sacked. Yeah, he was pressured a couple of times. He was hit a couple of times. But when you have that ability to drop back and go through a progression, look at some reads and, and throw, you know, you're you're much more comfortable. You're much more confident. And you're you're able to, you know, have cleaner stats. I, I think, you know, you tell me he goes 27 for 37 at Syracuse and everyone's pleased. Two touchdowns, uh, no sacks, no interceptions. Uh, it, it's good to see for him. I think we're both in the same camp that we're, we're rooting for Tommy wherever he's playing totally, just because, absolutely. Uh, you know, it's, it's always fun to see, you know, a guy that you've, you know, seen play and seen grow a little bit and have to struggle, you know, find a new opportunity and have things work out. So we, you know, we both wish him the best and we're, we're hoping for that. But when you go to this Dino Babers conversation, uh, I don't, I don't think it's a great look. Uh, I don't know if it's entirely Baber's fault. I know uh, I am in the camp where it is, you know, Sterling Gilbert drove that man into the ground. Uh, That offense was not conducive for him to succeed. Uh, The O-line, the play calling, the lack of movement, the lack of tight end, the everything. Yeah, that's the argument as well. I will um, say I am on the side, just to go back to the original question. Yeah, I've gone on a tangent. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's Okay. Um, I would say that I think I'm waiting for him to do it against a good team. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's cool that he didn't get sacked. Uh, and if probably if he were behind Syracuse's offensive line, there's a chance that'd be different. I mean, he got sacked against Holy Cross when he played them, but at the same time, I want to see him do it against a Penn state or a Minnesota or any other decent big 10 team that has a decent defense. I mean, Wyoming is literally the bottom of the bottom in terms of FBS schools. So yeah. uh, let's see you do it against a real team. Anyway, the other question. Iowa, I Wisconsin. Ask, sure, those no. ones too. No? Never mind. I thought those were the next okay. two weeks. For whatever reason, oh, this back, or the schedule is backwards. Okay. <laughs> um, the next question I want to ask is, do you think that something like this proves that Babers, because I think people out there are saying this, that Babers can only succeed with a dual threat quarterback or one that is like plus plus mobile. Cause I don't know if you'd call Dungey a dual threat necessarily, but the dude could move really well. 
Yeah. Uh, and Schrader does is it's Schrader does too. Because, you know, DeVito he had a hard time standing in the pocket and being a pocket passer. I'm in the camp that DeVito's probably has the worst pocket awareness I've ever seen. I mean, guys were flying at him. I mean, go watch the tape from the UNC game, week one of 2020, and you'll see what I'm talking about. He was terrible. Guys were flying at it. And and it's not to say that the O-line was good, because it wasn't. I'm not even saying it was average. The O-line was below average. But I think it was better than the numbers showed and better than what people thought it was, just because, yeah, they collapsed plenty, but DeVito never ran away from pressure. He just got sacked. He got sacked 14 times uh, in the first two weeks of the 2020 season because he just let it happen. Um, yes, I think the offensive line was bad, but I don't think it was as bad as people made it out to be. Before you answer that, I'm going to read this ad. Um, so here we go. One sec. Okay. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction time slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's okay, or excuse me, it's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI. Okay. Back here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast, Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you on this wonderful Monday morning. Okay. Owen, I posed a question. Can Dino only succeed with a mobile quarterback at the helm? Uh, it's interesting to pose that question, and this is a very much a cop-out answer. I don't know if I, I have enough data to support that, like okay. genuinely. Like, yes, their best season under Dino was with Dungy, who was mobile. But I also haven't seen a team that was supposed to be good or a team with a quarterback that really was succeeding and was outstanding. And yes, some of it can be blamed on Dino and and the staff and and that, but there's also, you know, there is the ownership factor of, you know, Hey, you know, the quarterback didn't play well. And as you were saying, the pocket awareness wasn't great. The decision-making wasn't great. Uh, I, I, I don't know because I haven't seen Dino in a situation where there's been you know, a solid O-line presence like you had in 2018 and a quarterback that likes to stay in the pocket. I think DeVito could have been the guy that wanted to stay in the pocket, uh, but there was no O-line protection and his decision-making didn't quite have it. I don't think I can, you know, accurately say that Dino is only going to be able to succeed with a mobile quarterback. I think if you're a Syracuse fan, you hope that, you know, he's better with mobile quarterbacks for the sake of Garrett Schrader being uh, or having a successful year, right? When you look at the dual threat aspect that he brings to the game, I don't know exactly where I I fall on that argument. I'm curious if you, you know, do you have a stronger opinion on this? Because I kind of just don't know, you know, if it's the, he can only succeed in that manner or just the only good season Syracuse has had happened to be. Uh, when Dungy was, you know, at his prime in the best, you know, shape and, you know, throwing, playing performance that we saw him 
uh, and it just happened to involve some mobility. I think that it definitely helps. Um, and when you have a, a mobile quarterback, it's kind of easily to mask, easy to mask poor offensive lines, right? And it's no secret yeah. that Syracuse's offensive line wasn't good back then. I mean, people kind of forget, and Stephen Bailey brought it up, but people forget the Ryan Alexander situation they had in 2019 where he just left the team halfway through the year, and Matthew Bergeron had to come in, and it ended up actually helping because it, they moved service to the, le to the left tackle and Veterello to center. And in the last couple of games of the season, the O-line got way better. But I remember thinking in that moment, like, how could you have gone all year not realizing that your offensive line was configured poorly? Like, you lose game after game. They go five and seven that season. And it, it's because their offensive line was terrible the entire time. Now, it was compounded with the fact that, that DeVito wasn't good in the pocket. But it wasn't a good offensive line. And the thing I kept saying at the time was, for Dino, was that you're supposed to be this rah-rah guy that everybody gets behind. Now you got a guy up and leaving the program. And what does that say about yeah. you? But um, anyway, I digress. I don't know. I, I think it's a decent answer, what you said, but I also don't think it's true. I, I think that the offensive line was bad, but I don't know necessarily that it's all Dino's fault. I'd be curious to see what DeVito – I mean, I don't know. Maybe DeVito just wasn't right. Too. Sure, go ahead. I I do feel bad for Tommy almost in a way uh, because you look at – and, you know, maybe I don't know all too much, you know, Syracuse media opportunities, you know, prior to this season were very much lock and key. Dino doesn't love people talking uh, because it lets information out, whatever. Dino likes to be the one that talks. Uh, because he can answer how he wants, and oftentimes his answers are not really answering questions, but dancing around them. So you don't really get a ton of insight into ideas and you know player thoughts and things of that nature. But from everything I saw, you know Tommy handled last year's situation and losing a starting spot, uh, you know, with, with the best of them. And now here it is, you know, the sort of situation that he struggled within Syracuse in terms of O-line, in terms of play calling and all the stuff that we talked about a little bit. And it seems like things have sort of been alleviated since he left. The O-line looks the best that it has since 2018. Stephen Bailey says that, you know, it, it's comparable and, you know, has a chance to, to be maybe even better depending on how they do O-line wise. Uh, Robert and I comes in, the play calling seems like it could have been fixed the offensive issues and woes seem like they could have been fixed. So everything that Tommy struggled with, you know, to be able to improve that pocket presence and be able to, you know, have that better decision-making, which I will always say is tough to do when all that happens is you get hit, you get hit, you get rushed out, you get rushed, you get rushed. Did he play incredible in that situation? Did he do things to help every time? No, but I do feel a little bad that everything that might have driven him to poor performance and to lose a starting spot and to, you know, inevitably transfer out seems to have been alleviated in the six months since he's transferred out of Syracuse. So I almost said that too, but the, the reason I didn't is because like Gilbert wasn't Gilbert also brought in to kind of create an offense around DeVito. That was like the point. And, and you can say that Gilbert, was bad, but I don't know. Gilbert came in. They said, all right, you've got a gunslinger. Like, figure it out. And they took deep shots a lot. 
I don't know necessarily that his offense was any good, but I don't know if I can be like, oh, poor Tommy, like he didn't get his shot. He got his shot, dude. He did. I don't want that to be the, the only message that comes out of here. He he was not playing to the level on top of those factors, you know, for him to be unquestionably QB1 at Syracuse. Without a doubt, that was not the case. But I do think you look at everything else, uh, and maybe maybe it's a different story with uh, with Tommy given a better situation. And, you know, who knows? The next two weeks, uh, seeing what he does at Illinois will will be that answer for us you know, for the time being to see if it is, you know, a Syracuse thing, a Dino Babers thing, a uh, Sterling Gilbert thing, or is it a Tommy thing where, you know, yes, he looks great against Wyoming, but he still is not at the caliber that he needs to be to be, you know, a successful power five quarterback. Yeah. And again, like, we'll see what he ends up doing against a real defense uh, this season. But hey, man, like if he can if he has the ability to stay in the pocket and can find his receivers and do whatever his thing is and be successful more power to him. I hope he is. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's uh, let's change gears a little bit. Now let's talk some basketball recruiting our Friday episode, which um, did well. So thank you for listening. Yeah. Um, our Friday episode was all about not getting Reed Ducharme. He goes to Xavier What is Syracuse's next move? SU's next move was to offer Thomas Sorber, a 6'9", 250-pound center out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This is a 24, not a 23 class. So they're not necessarily trying to, or they haven't necessarily made the next move to fill next year's class, but this is the next move on the recruiting show because you could also speculate that this move is one that gets ready for not having JP Estrella. They're saying, all right, we know we know we're not getting JP. We got to do something. And that's going after Thomas Sorber, who I will say is a huge person compared to everybody that they've been recruiting uh, previously at the center spot. And this guy's 250 pounds at 6'9". He's huge. He's a big dude. He is a big dude. (laughs) Cool. Uh, but I think I like this. Uh, I, 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 you know, obviously you want a 2023 answer after the conversation we had Friday. Uh, but it was elite camp weekend for Syracuse this week. So, uh, a lot of, you know, guys in the next two, maybe three years of high school classes in town on campus, messing around, playing, showing what they've got competing, getting looks, you know, Q's coaches will get. A good look at these guys. Uh, I know there are a number of uh, a couple of guys that Syracuse has already offered that were there, uh, and then they they offered Sorber at camp, which I think is always cool to be able to offer a guy in person right when he's there uh, and have that conversation. Maybe it stands out a little bit more. Obviously, still early in in his recruiting, he doesn't even have stars yet. That's how you know early this still is in the class of 2024. Um, but this is you know, a a big dude, right? We always talk about, you know, the Syracuse center position and the fact that why is the starting center weigh 210 pounds and how does that help you? And where's some size, where's some beef, right? Uh, This seems like a guy with uh, some very good, you know, size. And from what I've read, and I haven't read a ton about him, but 
from what I've read, he's a pretty mobile guy. Uh, I know Robert Wright was another guy that Syracuse has offered in the class of 24. Uh, was talking with Mike McAllister. There's an article from him. Uh, and Wright says that he would argue that he has the best footwork of a big in high school right now. Um, paraphrased a little bit, but that was the gist. Um, so Tommy Sorber, big boy, but still has the speed, still has that agility in terms of the footwork and, and getting those moves. And I'll tell you what, I I love a good big man post move, and I have missed seeing it in orange. So if this works out and the footwork and the size seem to make sense for Syracuse, I, I would be fired up to see uh, a couple of big boy post moves uh, in, what, two years from now, three seasons from now, uh, yeah. if he gets here. You know, you want to hear something even crazier? Because I mm. just read that Syracuse actually did offer a big of the 2023 class yesterday, or actually today. Is did that slip through? I didn't see that. Slip through the cracks for us, but not quite. I caught it right here. William right, Patterson, live. seven foot two. 220 pounds he was offered uh at the the at camp uh at the elite camp so right after camp he was offered and he says that Syracuse is number one on his list out of all the offers he's received right now uh so that's big for Syracuse and another big for the 2023 class this really means you're probably not getting JP Estrella so probably wish though those wishes uh, are probably gone but other schools that are in on this kid that have offered, according to 24-7, are Oklahoma State, Rutgers, and TCU. No reason Syracuse shouldn't be able to beat out those schools for a race like this. Uh, all very interesting as well that Syracuse kind of comes in at the end here. He's unrated, according to 24-7. But at 7-2, he's kind of giving me Pascal Chuku vibes, being a little bit of a string bean up at 7-2. But I'll take it. I would totally take that at this point. I wouldn't be incredibly happy about it, but I also don't know how well the kid plays. Um, but pretty exciting news that I just found out. You saw my reaction live. Yeah, William Patterson, 7'2". I, I, I can get behind 7'2". Uh, offered at camp as well. That's pretty cool. So, you know, that same sort of vibe in the, the in-person offer is always cool um, to be able to – it just seems more personal. Uh, as you know, you might assume, I guess that's not really a take. It's just sort of factual, but that would be more personal. Uh, but I, I like it. Uh, I, I'm fine with the fact that, you know, they might take a chance on a guy and not that, you know, he can't pan out, but this is by no means like the shoe in that you're looking for in terms yeah. of 2023 recruiting. Right. It's nice. When but at least got... they're, at least they're retooling and, and they haven't just yeah. laid down and died. I'm glad that they're actually year. trying to do something their feet right now seem like they've been wiped out from underneath them. And, you know, the first way to get back up is to start standing up and the seven, two offer, uh, even if it's an unranked guy, even if it's, you know, with some question marks, um, you know, getting a 2023 commit is a start uh, and to have, you know, your offer come in and be received that well from him as he's putting them at the top of the list. Uh, I think that's a good sign. Obviously you want, you know, your, your shot in the dark guys that, you know, may or may not work out to be supplemented with, oh, there's two four-star guys already committed here. And we've got this seven, two guy that in a couple of years could work itself out. Uh, so you obviously want this to be supplementary, but I, I I'm fine with seven, two. 
Uh, I got to look a little more into, you know, the play style, anything, see what there is for, for video on him. But at 7-2, uh, I, I think that's a pretty good look for Cuse. Uh, I'd be excited to see, you know, at this point, just a name when I look at 2023 commitment. So yeah. uh, William Patterson, we'll look into him a little more. Maybe we'll uh, tweet out some highlights if we find anything uh, so you can take a peek at what he has to offer. But I, I, I think it's good to see. You know, the effort is there. You got to return, right? When you you fall, you get back down or you get back up. Don't get back down, please. Stay up uh, and and make some offers. See what happens. Roll some dice. uh, Because as we were saying on Friday, things have changed in terms of the 2023 recruiting class confidence uh, and not for the better. And so we'll see what happens. Uh, and that'll do it for your Monday episode. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. Go get more on the ACC by making Lockdown ACC your second listen every day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Lockdown take you across the ACC in 30 minutes. Make Lockdown ACC your second listen. That's Lockdown ACC. And we will talk to you tomorrow with more of uh, more Syracuse news. Hopefully we get a depth chart soon. Peace.